everybody, welcome back to Monster Soundwave, an unofficial D&D podcast. I'm your host, Robert Snow, and with me tonight is Evan Barton. How you doing, Evan? I'm all right, and yourself, sir? Uh, I'm doing really well. Uh, it's been a pretty exciting week for fans of Dungeons & Dragons. Yes, it has. A lot of news coming out. A lot of news, brand new book, uh, two more books coming, like a book a month, you know, in October and November, uh, which I don't know, at, with the exception of the launch of D&D, I don't know if there's ever been like three books one month right after the other. I don't think. Even with the launch of D&D, I don't think the books were coming out that quickly either. Yeah, I think wasn't the wasn't the player's handbook like a couple months before the other two? Yeah, I think it was PHP came out and then there was like a solid like three months between that and like the monster manual. Then there was like another two or three months between that and uh, the DMG, if I recall correctly. It's going back like seven years, but right. But yeah, that that sounds right. And so, yeah, really exciting that they're just pushing these books and sounds like there's going to be a lot more books coming. Uh, So we'll talk about the news a little bit later. But I wanted to get started. We've got a brand new book, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, uh, which is an adventure in the uh, a Feywild adventure. Um, so we're going to talk about the first uh, two chapters. We don't want to spoil too much of the book. And then we're going to talk about some of the things, uh, some of the appendices and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, chapter one, introduction into the Feywild. Kind of an interesting chapter because there's stuff for players, there's stuff for DMs. Um, I think I one of the things we have talked about a little bit before the show is just I think that this is a great book for a new DM uh, who's going to be running things. But we can talk more about that as as we get into it. So what did you think about the uh, the first couple pages there, the running the adventure and the adventure summary stuff? There's a section of tips for new dungeon masters. What did you think about that stuff? I think it's useful. Um, I don't recall that uh, being present in any of the other adventures that I've read. You know, granted, I might be wrong about that. But, you know, especially telling you how, like, how to use the poster maps and the interior maps. And that's just something that you tend to take for granted sometimes as you run D&D that, you don't necessarily, if you're a new DM starting out, you may not necessarily even know that, oh, you know, you should probably only show one side of the poster maps to the players or, you know, oh, you maybe shouldn't necessarily show all these maps to the players or show all these things to a players. And it's kind of nice that they explicitly spell those things out in the beginning. And again, that's useful. And again, I'm not necessarily aware that any of the other books have done that before. Yeah, I think just kind of highlighting, you know, hey, like, you know, the stuff in the purple boxes is for you to read to the characters. But, um, you know, other things don't need to be like as clearly marked out for them as they are for you, Um, which I I think is really good, because I think that in a lot of ways, this book plays kind of a little more like a mystery. You know, it's not like a. Hey, there's a giant dragon uh, guarding his treasure. Will you come with us, Bilbo Baggins? Like, you know, there's a little, 
there's a little more to it than that. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of mystery and a little bit of like, where are we going? What are we doing? Um, and right. I like that about it. A, a lot of adventures, especially traditional D and D adventures, it's less. You know, it, again, it's fairly explicit what you want to do. Like, you know, it's it, the the quest is like you said spelled out. Like, slay the dragon. You know, kill the vampire rescue the princess there's a lot like this is a lot more of the what figuring out what's going on rather than you know just going to and doing it which again you know is interesting especially for a new group who may be especially you know if they're coming in new to D, but not necessarily new to fantasy because i mean if you go into it even if you're new to D, most uh RPGs are going to have that background where it's again it's fairly straightforward. So again, having the whole mystery of trying to figure out what's going on is a nice uh, change of pace. They highlight some of the other things in here about the fact that like you know most of the situations, if not all of them, can be kind of uh, you know the players if they're clever and creative and cautious can navigate around the story without. Um, getting into combat that's pretty impressive you know and so that's a cool new thing uh what did you think about some of these different character options uh we've got two backgrounds uh the backgrounds are the fey lost and the witch light hand what did you think about those well it's interesting because anytime i'm looking at uh options like that i'm kind of looking at it with two different lenses as a player and, you know, as kind of as a DM, you know, the player is, you know, is this something I'd be interested in playing in? And as a DM is, you know, is this something I think it would be fun to have a player play in in a game I'm running as a player? I wasn't terribly impressed with all the options necessarily. Not that I wouldn't ever play them, but just reading through them. I thought, Oh, these look kind of cool. Um, I don't think I'd necessarily run them as a DM. I thought, Oh, you know, it might be kind of cool to, you know, play that, especially, you know, if you're going to run anything kind of fey oriented, they super lean into that. And so I think, you know, if you're going to do that, these would be great things to suggest to your players, which, you know, obviously is why they're in a fey themed book. So uh, I think, you know, is absolutely a great option. And I kind of like the idea of the fairy too, you know, the idea of, you know, uh, getting to play a uh, small character and uh, the uh, flight is a cool thing and you know i've i'm kind of blanking here if are there any other uh player races that get flight just right off the bat like that um i don't know if the era croca does like the bird people i think that they start with a flying speed i think in ravnica the simic hybrid can grow wings at some point but I think the fairies might, if if they aren't the only one, they're one of the only ones. Okay, I, th- I think yeah. Certainly, none of the PHB races right. uh, get it, and um, so it have to be something from you know one of the other source books. And yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think through all the different things, like m- maybe something from Mordekaimans or. Uh, or Volo's Guide to Monsters, like maybe some of those like monstrous races start with flight, but I I can't think of any right off the bat. Right. Yeah, looking at the two um, backgrounds, I thought these are both great for this campaign. 
but uh, the Witchlight hand in particular is something that's like, as a DM, I probably wouldn't allow this, um, like in any, like like in a regular game. It's just right. a little too confusing unless I knew that the Feywild or this carnival were going to be part of it. Yeah, the Fey the Fey Lost makes a little bit more, um, like a little bit more sense, uh, like. For just a regular any D and D campaign, I feel like, and uh, the fairies are cool. I could see I could see players um really maybe exploiting uh, the flight for a lot of other adventures. So again, something that if if you're gonna have a fairy in your game, you're gonna have to think about. Um, and you need to have a lot of caves. Right. <laughs> Closed areas. The Harrigan, the Harrigan, the bunny race. Uh, what did you think about that? Anything or or no? Yeah, much. Like, uh, I read through Rabbit Hawk twice. And I'm like, I'm, I have the book of my hands. I'm reading it through a third time. And I'm still not sure I quotation marks get it. So I I think with Rabbit Hop, what it is is it's bonus movement that you can essentially move your proficiency bonus times five feet. So basically one square or hex per proficiency bonus. Um at the end of your turn. Well, it doesn't say at the end of your turn. Yeah, but without provoking attacks of opportunity, and you can use it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish. Okay, last. I don't know that that like, like I can see that coming up in like detailed combat situations, but I think the lucky footwork um, trait is probably way, way better. Uh, right. When you fail a dexterity saving throw, you can use your reaction to roll a d4 and add it to the save, potentially turning the failure into a success. Um, and it does that doesn't have a limit per day. You can just always do that. So I think that that's a much better like trait. So I don't know. Again, not the Heron Gun, not not a bad race. I don't feel like, but just kind of a I don't know. It is what it is. I think yeah. again. It, in the Feywild, great because right. there are Heron guns in the story. Uh, I don't know how much I would use it outside of that. It definitely doesn't feel overpowered in any way. Right. I, I just I can't imagine any occasion I use like barring a Feywild adventure where I'm going to be really pumped up to playing, you know, a Heronagon. Yeah. I mean, that being said, one of my kids might look at that and be like, I totally want to be a bunny rabbit with a poleaxe or whatever but uh right. you know i'm not sure I don't right know. I'm, I, somebody is gonna love it so absolutely and you know <laughs> exactly power to them um so that pretty much does it for the uh for the characters um although i do enjoy one of the things for the start of the adventure there's kind of two different ways to run this adventure or to start it off um and we without spoiling too much uh one of them is called the lost things where um all of the pcs have 
lost a an item at the carnival eight years ago and now it's come back around um or the other one is basically a a quest giver uh who promises them some loot if they achieve his gold or achieve his goal for them or or finish his quest uh what did you think about this like kind of two different options to starting the starting the the quest i think it's nice to have um especially because every group is going to be different and every group is going to create different player characters and uh it makes it easier to not have to pigeonhole your party because of a lot of uh adventures where that you know is instigating uh event or something like that you can get like um uh, i'm not gonna think of any examples off the top of my head but you know you kind of necessarily um the uh, the skyrim uh problem you know where you know um everybody starts off in prison or something like that so you know you have to create a character where you know what did your character do to wind up in prison and so you know you're necessarily you're necessarily creating a character who at some point uh, committed a crime which isn't necessarily a bad way to start off a game but you know that's one way to do it and it's nice you know that this adventure provides you two different ways to bring a party together so to speak yeah or you know two different options to do it right i i enjoy that also um what did you think about the witch Lake carnival reading through it it seemed to be a lot more and i don't necessarily know this is a criticism necessarily uh that is a way that i was i guess i was expecting it to be more open it i guess more open to being like you mentioned earlier being able to drop in anywhere it seemed to be very specific to this adventure which you can't really fault it for because you know it's a part of the adventure but i feel like it would be difficult to run the carnival as written and not not have it tied into which light without having to make a lot of rewrites to it which again you know isn't necessarily a fault of the adventure itself but uh but i mean there's a lot there and there's a lot of cool things there uh i really like the uh snail racing um yep. and the mechanics for that which i mean they kind of just uh grab the mechanics of the dinosaur racing from uh Tomb of Annihilation. But there's absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with that. But I mean, I think that's cool. Um, I love I guess, some of the other mini games and uh, some of the NPCs are really cool. And jumping ahead a, lo- a little bit, I love that you did like the role play cards, which, you know, yeah. is A, you know, that's a cool idea. And B, that would be very useful for especially for new DMs, keeping track of what are going to be a lot of different NPCs, especially starting off. Yeah. Um, and I I really enjoyed uh like the carnival games and the carnival prizes uh section. I thought that was like really funny. Um, just to have that in there. You know, one of the reasons I was so excited about this book is I grew up going to this thing called the Herndon Festival. I grew up in this little town um in Northern Virginia that now is just like part of the megalopolis that is dc northern virginia area but back when it was kind of its own little town uh every year like in the summer there would be a carnival that would come to town and or this festival and i just remember as a kid like going there with my brothers at night seeing all the rides lit up seeing all the different games having like you know your tickets or whatever and i think um like our school gave us like wristbands for like Thursday night, like like kids could go for 
for like the first three hours or something and not have to use tickets for the rides. And so um, I just remember going to that and reading through this made me think of kind of this really like it is kind of like a mystical, whimsical type place, you know, to to go to a carnival. Um, and so it, I I do love like the feeling of it. And there's some cool story stuff in here. Um, and it's it's interesting how it's like, you know, are your characters going to see everything in the carnival like in a single like playthrough and the answer is maybe not, you know, it's kind of up to them a little bit. Right. Um, which is kind of neat. I also enjoy the fact that like how they interact with all the different characters at the carnival kind of affects the mood of the carnival and that that plays into uh, the story. So, um, and I like that there are, there's a time tracker mechanic throughout the evening or throughout the night of the carnival. And uh, like, there are some different events that happen throughout the, like at specific times. It's like, once you hit this hour, this event is going to happen. Um, like uh, I think it's like the big top circus uh, happens like at midnight and the, there's other things like that. Uh, so that's a really, I thought that was really interesting. Um what did you think about that, like, that aspect of it? I thought it was cool, but my only concern would be um, for new DMs that that kind of thing might get to be a little overwhelming. Yeah. That, you know, on top of, because, I mean, first of all, just trying to run a group of party members in that kind of environment can take all of your time and concentration by itself. Then you're trying to run the NPCs. And you're also trying to run, you know, the shenanigans going on behind the scenes with, you know, this, uh, with, you know, these coven minions that are going on in behind the scenes. And you're also trying to run the time things and, you know, these events that might be happening. And so that could, I could see, especially, you know, um, if you're not, you know, if you're not really, really prepared to do that, new DMs getting kind of flustered. So I'd be concerned about that. Beyond that, I think, you know, um, so I'd be interested to see how that's going to play at the table as much as anything else. Conceptually, I think it's really cool. How many? So one thing I was thinking about um, when I was reading through it was how many sessions or how many like hours of play, depending on your group, do you think that there are in the carnival uh, before moving into kind of the Feywild proper? Like, do you think it's like two sessions? Do you think it's three? Like... I mean, that's going to depend entirely on the party. Because, I mean, I could see some groups taking like maybe, you know, one or two sessions, and I could see another group breezing through it in about an hour or two, just yeah. depending on how much, you know, they're going to engage with role play and engage in uh, a lot of the contests. Because, I mean, I feel like, uh, like, especially a lot of, like, less experienced players may be like maybe more nervous about doing the, doing that sort of thing and they want to gravitate to the story as much as possible whereas like more veteran players are going to be like more willing to like engage with that sort of thing and so they may be willing to i, I don't know you know you never know every group is different so i feel like it's going to depend entirely on the individual individuals and the dm as well on how much the dm gives them because there's a dm you know you can keep i feel like as much as you keep throwing at them 
But I could see, you know, again, depending on the party, I could see, you know, at least one or two full sessions taking place in the carnival. But I, I feel like two sessions is probably about as much as you could get out of it before at a certain point, like, oh, I, even then, you know, I feel like, you know, maybe one and a half by like the middle point of that second session, there's going to be some party members being like, OK, you know what, what's going on here? Like they're going to start moving towards figuring out what's happening, even right. if the DM isn't presenting it. Because, you know, just, you know, as playing a game, like, and seeing, you know, what's happening here, their curiosity is going to get the better part of them at some point. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking, I was like, man, between a session zero where you're kind of setting the stage and then maybe, a, you know, another full session, like if you had like a three or four hour session, I feel like if you're not in the Feywild at the end of that, like, you got to be getting pretty close or or you're your party's going to be, you know, they're kind of, I mean, maybe if they're spending a lot of time, like talking to every character, yeah, investigating every little side thing. I mean, there's a lot of little side stuff in there. Um, you know, maybe that happens, but I think that the time tracker um, that I mentioned earlier is kind of like another thing for players to be like, Oh, we've, we've got to get a move on here. You yeah. Know? Like it's hour six. Like, yeah, you know, we've, we've only got two hours left to kind of figure out where to be. So, yeah. Um, and I think that's one thing that can be useful for as, as you know, one thing as a DM new or old, that can be difficult to get a handle on is pacing and yeah. uh, keeping the session moving forward and seeing, you know, okay, the party's really engaging with this right now. Like, I can slow things down a little bit and, you know, see they're having fun or, okay, the session's really starting to drag on. This would be a good time to throw an encounter at them or do something to kind of speed things up, get them moving back towards the plot. Yeah. Um, so we're going to kind of skip a big chunk of the book here. Okay. Uh, you know, chapters three, four, and five um, really end up taking you to Into the Feywild. And so not that I want to like skip over it, but I really don't want to give away like any story beats in here. Right. Um, what was there anything in here that you thought, wow, this is like really like cool. I mean, there's some pretty big dungeons. There's uh, some very interesting characters and scenes like that people will come across. Anything that in particular, like caught your eye going through there. I really like the. uh um the hourglass coven as figures yeah. in this uh as well as the league of malevolence as you know mm -hmm. kind of throwing them in there as this uh other party that the piece that the uh group is going to have to interact with at some point possibly yeah. and they're kind of fun too without giving anything away because it's kind of a throwback to uh the uh old D, &D cartoon from the 1980s right <laughs> I I really like um I think I just love like the feel of this this book in general. It's like a little bit Alice in Wonderland, a little bit like, you know, Peter Pan in Neverland. Uh, you know, it's there's just so many like there's so many things that make me think of my childhood and then injected into that is a bunch of scary witches and uh you know hags and monsters and so i i i really did enjoy that 
And then, um, you know, you're kind of talking about the factions that show up in the in the world. And I thought that was a really neat. It, I, I just agree with you. I, you know, basically, without having too much more to say, I think that it's really neat that there's these kind of, you know, multiple factions that are still, you know, working in the Feywild um, that the party's, you know, going to interact with most likely at some point, you know, in the, in the process. Jumping past that, uh, what did you think? Um, there's a couple different appendices here at the end. And we've got, uh, so we've got some magic items. Uh, and some of them, you know, are probably more likely to come up than others. It's really weird for me, having been playing in uh, Curse of Strahd right now with, you know, I think there's like four magic items in the party. And so it's like weird to be like, oh, an adventure with 20 different named magic items. <laughs> like, what's this? <laughs> you know? um, did you have a chance to look at any of those? I did a little bit. Um. You you know you got like the usual assortment of you know you got the like the common like you know you've got the orb of direction the pixie dust and then you've got the uh, like as for any good adventure you've got like the awesome sword the uh, this the snicker snack which I'm not sure I'm sold on the name but uh, the art for it is amazing it's it is really good art um, one of the ones that I like and I enjoy the art for is the pipe of smoke monsters. While smoking this pipe, you can use an action to exhale a puff of smoke that takes the form of a single creature, such as a dragon, a flump, or a frog moth. The form must be small enough to fit in a one-foot cube and loses its shape after a few seconds, becoming an ordinary puff of smoke. It's It's just like a cool thing to have. It doesn't really do much, but I can see some like ways to be like oh yeah like there would totally be smoke dragons and pirate ships and stuff like that like swirling around the the taverns of the Feywild. all right and then it talks about the factions uh and they go over uh the two that you mentioned the hourglass coven and then also the league of malevolence and then i think it's like the team of valor what is it valor's call, valor's call. um so what did you think about having those factions like in there kind of as kind of major NPCs, I guess, or, or you know, major people that are going to that are recurring throughout the adventure? Uh, I think it's cool. I think they kind of switch things up a bit. Um, I, I don't want to go into super detail and like give away huge segments of the plot, but I really like the way that the Hourglass Coven interact. And um, and just, you know, just in it because you know, I um first of all i love hags in general and i again you know i love that you know they've got like the other little flaws and how you know they've got their schemes both between and uh within each other yeah and I again think... you know and, and you know how how as a party you can kind of play them against each other as well as having to um kind of overcome them yeah i i think that they're um I think that they're really well written characters also. And I think that the fact that they're very much like interactable, um, you know, it's again, it's not just like, Hey, like here's the, 
you know, here's the demi gorgon that you know is just going to eat your mind and steal your soul. Like, and I hope your AC is high. Um, you know, it's the fact that they can be like conversed with and reasoned with and manipulated and things of like that. I think is what makes the adventure kind of even more interesting. So there is like kind of a little mini bestiary of monsters at the end of this. Uh, one of the ones that really stuck out to me was the living doll, uh, because I just feel like it's like, you know, early on in an in adventure, like creepy, you know, China dolls or whatever is just kind of a scary thing. Um, I think to throw at the players. So, uh, were there any monsters in there that you were especially like interested by? Uh, I would like the Jabberwock, but you know, I've already saw the uh, stats for that in the uh, preview. Um, then I think we'd seen a lot of them before, like the Red Cap and the Quickling. We'd seen yeah. before. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like the look of them. It's a uh, good mesh of you know creatures to throw in the Feywild, but uh, I don't think any of them super jumped out at me a whole lot. Um, Beyond the Jabberwock. Um, I did like the Living Doll, though. Uh, yeah. Um, so the next section is these uh, is these role-playing cards. And uh, there's, like, maybe, I don't know, 16 of them? Maybe more than that? Oh, I don't know. 32. So there's 32 different, uh, different ones. And uh, just to give people, like, a little glimpse, one of, one of the early people... Um, uh, who helps run the Witch Lake Carnival is Mr. Light. And so this is what comes on his little role-playing card. Mr. Light is the face of the Witch Lake Carnival. He's a loud, flamboyant ringleader who'll do anything to maintain the carnival's happy atmosphere. Mr. Light wears a harlequin suit and a jaunty hat. When he presides over the carnival's big top, he sparkles like a disco ball. And then it has his alignment is chaotic good. His personality trait is there's always something for me to smile about. His ideal is delight. I want everyone to feel the wonder that I feel each day in this place. His bond is Mr. Witch is my greatest friend and most trusted confidant. And then his flaw is I was the crueler of the two of us long ago. Perhaps that streak of violence hasn't quite left me. Um, and so I think, and and so, like I said, there's 32 of these in here, so it gives you just a little bit more information or like a little bit of a reminder if people run across some of these characters multiple times of like, Hey, remember this is kind of what they're like. So, you know, this is, this is how you should be kind of portraying them to the party. Um, what did you think about these? Again, uh, useful and you know even you know I've, i keep harping on oh, this be good for a new dm but i think this is super useful for any dm to have especially um when you're trying to keep track of like you know a huge cast of characters if they're any you know, um if they're going to be recurring like if you're going to have a party because i mean it's when you're joking around like you know if, if you're going to have a party that's going to be not using combat to solve a lot of their problems and you're going to have a lot of recurring characters it's useful to be able to remember who they are like I mean, like you, like you joke, but you know, like you kind of assume that you know, if a party is going to be using combat to solve a lot of situations, most NPCs you're going to be meeting with aren't going to last a whole lot. Like, especially you know, if they're going to be antagonistic. But you know, in an adventure like this, 
where a lot of antagonists aren't necessarily going to be defeated in the first encounter. And it'd be useful to have like a lot of that information and be able to keep go, especially in going back and forth between the cards and have that information for when they're appearing and even when they're not appearing to keep in mind their goals and their motivation. So I could see that being incredibly useful. Yeah, I mean, I have, I'm, I've, I've uh, made similar things before, you know, just behind DM screens, just kind of remind me of, you know, oh, hey, you know, here's basic detail about this NPC that's traveling with a party. Here's, you know, a quick little, like a couple of statistics about them. And here's, you know, like one of their goals or something like that. Because again, you know, if you have a bunch of NPCs, it's easy, like, it's easy to think, oh, I'll remember this. And then, you know, an hour and a half into a session, you know, you happen to blank on the NPC's name or something like that. I happen to forget crap. What does, you know, Goldfarb the Goblin want again? Uh, and then, you know, and again, you know, then you're stuck on the spot. Nobody wants to do the damage. Like, okay, hold on. Let me, you know, derail the session for 10 minutes while I go paging through this book for this, for the one page that has this obscure piece of information. So, yeah, I, I think um, they're doing a lot of the DM's work here for us. Uh, the Lord's work, if you, if you will. Um, which, you know, as anybody who's running a game and who's had to keep track of a cast of characters, uh, who aren't all just like, you know, strewn bodies in the path of murder hobos, uh, you know, this is a helpful thing. And I wonder if we'll see it in more of our adventures going forward. Uh, all I'm going to say is that something like this might have been really helpful in the, uh, the out of the abyss book oh my uh, god yeah yeah there's that's a story with a whole lot of characters you know multiple like bonus party members lots of people that you've run into who you might not kill uh you know as you're in the the underdark and uh you know who you might run into again in the underdark in a different place and so trying to have to flip back and forth through different chapters in that book is uh yeah, uh, it it can take some time, you know, trying to remember like, oh wait, who's this one? Or like, where where did they go? What did they? What were their motivations? Right. Um. So one of the things at the end of this is uh, a story tracker. Uh, what did you think of the story tracker in here? It's one of those things too, where and this is purely for me. I'm always hesitant to write in a D and D book. And so I don't know how like super useful the actual like um the story trackers are. And so I I don't know, you know. I'll just say as somebody who bought the um you know deluxe uh like alt cover book, I would never write in this book ever. Yeah. In a million years. So I mean um, like like making a copy or something and printing it out, I can see that being more useful. But then you know, if you're like me, you make a copy of it, you write on it, and then how easy it is is it to lose it. So yeah, I mean, I think maybe you tuck it in the back of the book or in your folder or something. Right. But I, I like it. I think that it probably could have just been like a blog post the day that the book came out. Right. That you could just print the PDF of. Like, yeah. that probably would have been just as good. Like, I don't know that it needed to be two pages in the book, but I'm sure for page counts and printers and everything yeah. else, like, it probably ended up making sense. Uh, also, big giant poster map in it. Uh, which is becoming more and more like a, a thing that happens yep. in D&D books. What do you think of that? Always a fan of big giant poster maps. Uh, they make good uh, little decorations to put on the wall sometimes, even if you know the you don't end up using them a whole lot. I am always a fan of big giant poster maps. 
Especially, you know, if the art is cool. And I think the art on this one is really cool. And I love the style. So, yeah, I, I'm Sam, I'm hard pressed to find one that I don't like, especially in uh, this edition so far. Yeah, they've done a really good job with these. Um, okay, so uh, overall thoughts on The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, what it does for its own adventure and maybe its usefulness uh, for, you know, stuff from the book that you could pull out into other, you know, settings or homebrew type stuff. Uh, I could see pulling a lot of stuff from there. Um some of the monsters, obviously, that's e- like like monsters, NPCs are the easiest to pull, and I kind of don't necessarily even count those. But I could see pulling some of the uh, quest lines a little bit, especially like the uh, the hither, tither, and yawn. I feel like you could pull a lot of things from those. Easiest the carnival itself, you could probably lift with um, making some alterations. Yeah, I mean, I think having you know the. Uh you're looking for something at the carnival and you're trying to figure out what, where it is. So really uh, as long as you just needed something for the party to find at the carnival, it doesn't necessarily have to be what is written in the book. Right. Um, You just need something for your party to find. And then you can pretty much with, you know, substituting a couple words here and there, you can kind of drag and drop that into the, uh, into into most worlds that's one thing that i was thinking about is you know you're probably not going to hide like an end boss in there but i think i think there's a lot of fun stuff in it but i think mostly that this book is a well a fairly well written adventure um it doesn't it doesn't seem like it would be a terribly long adventure to play um but that there's a lot to do yeah, you know, if, if if people wanted to do a lot of things, there's plenty to do in the book. You know, it's right. not just like a, it's not like a candle keep, like you know, excerpt where it's like, hey, here's here's like one little mini adventure. Um, yeah, I'm glad I bought it. Like, yeah. I'm glad I have it. So, absolutely. And I think that we're we're gonna see more. I think we're gonna see some of the stuff that the format of this book i think we're gonna see as we move into into other books um i think that this is gonna be more of like where our adventure books look like i i don't think we're gonna have these like 18 chapter books but but maybe we will i don't know we're we're gonna get into the news we'll talk a lot right. about uh what the future of D holds so We'll take a little tiny break right here, and we'll be back in just a minute to talk about our Dungeons and Dragons, not our, sorry, it was not hosted by us. Um, We'll be back to talk about Wizards of the Coast Dungeons and Dragons celebration that happened this past weekend. So see you in just a minute. Hey, everybody, welcome back. So if you didn't know, this past weekend, Wizards of the Coast had a Dungeons and Dragons celebration that was kind of themed around the Witchlight Carnival. Uh, there was a bunch of like live plays. There was a Dungeon Masters challenge or tournament where different DMs like led people through different like adventures. Gotta be honest, didn't watch any of that stuff. 
but they did have a couple of different panels about things that are upcoming uh, for the in the future. And so uh, the first one that I wanted to talk about is our um, next book that's coming out, Fizban's Treasury of Dragons, which releases on October 19th. Um, so there was some good information that came out of that little uh, section, which I think you can go see on YouTube. Uh, they called it Fizzvan's Treasury of Dragons Revealed. Uh, I don't know how much was like revealed, revealed, but it was cool to find out a lot of the new stuff that is going to be in that book. So um, one of the first things they talked about was there will be uh, Draconic Ancestries for Dragonborn. Uh, new character options. There's some new spells that are themed around famous dragons. There are going to be two dragon-themed subclasses, uh, one for monks and one for rangers. And then there will also be new feats uh, available in the book that also have to do with um, that have to do with dragon-focused type things. Uh, so those are kind of the player character type things. They said a third of the book is a bestiary, uh, just with, um, you know, uh, chromatic, metallic, and gem dragons. And gem dragons are arriving on the scene here in in fifth edition. And then also uh, like dragon based creatures. Uh, so I think we'll see some different like dragon born or dragon spawn or or different things of that nature. And then also some famous dragons. Uh, and then about a third of the book is uh, based on is kind of lore and uh, like, you know, stories of dragons and stuff like that. And then about a third of the book is kind of mechanical things that help with like, what does having dragons in your world look like? You know, what? What is having an ancient red dragon living nearby? How does that affect the story? Um, and, you know, what are some things that you should think about in your game for that to be a thing? Um, so it sounds like, you know, this is going to be out of the Dungeons and Dragons part of this game. This is the Dragon's book. So um, I think we're going to see... It's been a while since there's been kind of a dragon-focused book, and I think we're going to get back into this being something that you can put into your games and make sure that, hey, sign up for Dungeons & Dragons. Lots of dungeons. I'm ready for the dragon. So. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking I don't think there's been one since the Draconomicon. Yeah. It's, well, yeah, we haven't had, like, a, a dragon-focused book in a in a long time. Now, there was... Tyranny of Dragons, you know, there's, there's been a fair amount of adventures where right. a dragon uh, featured is featured as something. But this is really, I mean, certainly for fifth edition and um, and going backwards quite a ways. This is the like, you know, full on lore, uh, you know, putting a dragon in your game, how to do it, how to how to, you know, design a dragon's horde like what else should be in the dragon's lair. Um, and one thing that they talked about uh, briefly was horde items. So these are magic items uh, that 
gain more power the longer they've been in the dragon's horde. So I thought that was kind of a cool mechanic. I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. You know, this idea of like, you know, if this sword or this, you know, horn or whatever has been in the dragon's horde for, you know, centuries or, you know, you know, one year or 10 years or, or, you know, forever or something like it's more powerful right. because, it, you know, has, you know, gleaned this magic from the dragon. So that was pretty exciting. Um, books right around the corner. So we'll okay. probably, if they do what they did for uh wild beyond the witch light, there should probably be over the next couple of weeks, a whole lot of preview stuff showing up. Right. Um, there this... was, I'll uh, say so there was one, they released a uh, art preview for the uh, elder brain dragon, which is pretty gnarly. Yeah. And so I, I think we're going to start seeing a whole bunch from this book. Um, my guess would be, we, we know a lot about it before it gets out. So, right. And from the time we're recording, it's only 21 days away. So we're, we're exactly three weeks out uh from its release and man we we mentioned it you know earlier in the show but just a lot of stuff coming out for D right now yep. um okay so the next uh the next thing they talked about they had a strixhaven or curriculum of chaos uh discussion with some of the lead designers there um that one comes out basically exactly a month after fizzvans it comes out on november 16th um so uh Strixhaven is based on uh Magic the Gathering set from a year ago or earlier this year. I don't know. I I'm not following Magic the Gathering closely enough, but um it's basically a school for mages and uh the the campaign is going to there's four adventures that can be strung together into a campaign. So not sure how long of a campaign it's going to be, but um, that's in there. So that was something I think we already knew about that. I don't know if that's like new information and surprise, surprise. Each of those adventures represents a different year at the school of Strixhaven. So, uh, so that's that's a thing. Um, there's a fair amount of character options, and actually, I think there's the character and NPC relations seem to be something that they hit on really heavy in in the discussion. So, Owl folk uh, are confirmed for Strixhaven and a Curriculum of Chaos. Uh, they were in the Unearthed Arcana, like uh, Fey creatures thing that came out um it like late last year early this year there's five new backgrounds uh and hold on what's you let's go back here i'll edit that out there were there's um five new backgrounds um and they're each based on one of the colleges and if you've ever played magic the gathering there are five colors of mana red white green blue and black and so within the uh strixhaven university there are five colleges there on campus the college of 
they all have some weird names, but whatever. They're the five magic color colleges. And so there are five new backgrounds um, that go with each of those, which seems pretty classic. But these backgrounds are a little bit different than other ones in that um, if you take one of these backgrounds, no matter what class you are, the background is going to open some spells for you with your class that will kind of grow with you as you progress um, as a character. Uh, what do you what do you think about that? What do you think about the fact that it's like, hey, no matter what class you are, you're getting some spells? I think that's really awesome uh, because typically um, I know anything magic related if uh, speaking, you know, as someone who pretty much universally played as a caster, but as being, you know, looking out, you know, anytime I picked up a new, any kind of splat book that was exclusive to mages, you could see like the party fighters eyes kind of glaze over. It's like, oh, okay, new mage book usually. Oh, and then, you know, they, you know, what did they care if, you know, it was like a complete arcane, if there weren't any new spells or anything for them in there. And typically, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of investment in there, but it's cool, you know, that they could have something in there for the other classes. Yeah. Um, there's also going to be five new spells in the book. There's one for each college. And so these are like spells that are unique to, to your college. Um, and then there's a lot of items and magic items that are related to college life. One of the ones that they talked about was like a stuffed doll that is uh, like the school's mascot. And so if you have that with you, then it gives you some bonus to being frightened. Uh, so I thought that was kind of neat. I was like, yeah, I loved D&D in college. That's when I got into D&D. So I think... Um, I think that that's something that's pretty cool, like to have, um, uh, you know, just like I, I'm interested to see how many like collegiate type things they they pull in. Um, so probably the biggest thing that they talked about here was that during your during the adventures. Or if you use this as your setting, because this is kind of a cross between a setting book and an adventure. Um, there's lots of NPCs, there's professors, students, deans um, in the book. And depending on what extracurricular activities you sign up for or what jobs you get, uh, you will... Uh, be given options to interact with other students on campus and you will have a relationship score with those different NB NPCs and those uh, that relationship score once it gets high enough or low enough will give you bonds and boons uh, in the in the thing in, in the game and so uh, the the levels go from beloved to arch rival um and so there are all these different characters throughout and once they will do different things and help you or hurt you depending on you know what their relationship to you is in the story um and uh i don't know i thought that that was it's interesting that there's kind of mechanics for role play at this point. Um, 
there hasn't been a ton of this like but this is definitely designed to to be an adventure where the characters and the npcs that you meet are people that you will run into multiple times throughout the campaign um so what do you think about that evan and that's really chill and pretty awesome um just you know um the whole idea of you know, the uh, boon and like the the whole um score system and being able to turn someone into your ally or your rival is a really cool concept and especially worked you know in that uh that setting you know just thinking about that kind of fantasy literature and you know you think of you know again going back to you know harry potter or even you know uh Patrick Rothfuss, the King Killer Chronicle, and you know, thinking about that interaction there, you know, like thinking about, oh, you know, um, the the how the different characters, you know, how you had, you know, Draco Malfoy being the rival, and you have like all the allies, and you know, and have having to set up that, you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of setting and doing that in a D and D environment, or you know, even leaning away from that, and you know, and just leaving the possibilities for all these different interactions. And I would love to see them in um, kind of use that interaction or use that system more in uh, other splat books as well, because I've um, seen them use or I've seen uh, fan adaptations use similar systems for adventures as well for NPCs, and that's been super useful for like keeping a track of a party's interactions, especially with critical NPCs. And I would love to see Watsi interact that um, with more adventures as well, and uh, implementing that with stat boons as well. I think that's the thing. So again, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think I, as I was thinking about it, I was like, I don't know how much I love like the Percy Jackson or Harry Potter type setting that this is, but I do like the idea that like you could set this in, you could put something like this into a water deep. Yeah. campaign where it's like hey you're in the city and oh you've met the innkeeper's daughter or you're you know working for you know this uh, you know the the leader of the you know the dock workers or something like that and have this kind of sliding scale of like where are you with your relationship on these different you know people ha- you know oh you've you know impressed this captain of the guard or something and have that open up something for you in the uh in the game and have it be like have it be a little bit more clear that this person's going to interact with you in a different way you know like if you've been pissing you've been pissing off the town guard all game and they show up to you know you fighting this rival gang or something like who's getting arrested you are because nobody in the in the you know town guard likes you but you know if you've been like taking like extra crumpets or something to the town guard throughout the game maybe they show up and they're like oh like you know who's hurting our friends i i don't know i i like the idea of there being hey like this is why you want to interact with these people on more than just a like what's your quest what's the prize like yeah okay see in three sessions yeah (laughs) um for our, our table, I've impl- I implemented something I, without having seen the mechanics, but I've implemented something that sounds similar to uh, one of the NPCs in the Curse of Strahd campaign, 
Which, at a guess, with a guess, you'd probably be able to figure out who it is, just because they're fairly critical to the plot. And, you know, just keeping track of your interactions and being able to say, okay, you know, if you're a, uh, if you don't treat this particular NPC, NPC well, you know, it's going to color their interactions versus if you treat them well, it's going to, you know, give positive benefits. And that may or may play uh, and be extremely important later on and in the present as well. So, yeah, I. I think I know that character, but I I won't spoil it for people okay. who have not played Strahd. Right, right. Um, yeah. So I I think that this is a fun system. Uh, so some of the extracurricular things that they listed are you can join a sports team. There's a D and D version of Quidditch, which I didn't call it that, but we all know what it is. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a LARPing club. There are um, jobs around campus. There's a school newspaper. Um, there's other. There's a bunch of other different things. There's like a theaters, like a, a theater guild or something like that, or theater club. So there's a lot of those things that, you know, you would just like that you could think of being like something that's happening at campus. Um, they also said that there are. uh like you know multiple deans and professors and that they like your interactions with them will also play a role in the story um and that through throughout the adventures at least there are exams that you'll need to take and so if you don't spend some of your downtime studying uh you can try to cheat on an exam um and if you pass those exams you'll gain what's called a student dice which will can you can use at some point throughout the game to give you a bonus now i don't know if it's something like a bardic inspiration or if it's just like inspiration in DD where you get to use it once and then it's done or if it's going to be something like hey you passed your history exam so you get to add a D4 every time you make a history check. But I would guess as we get closer to the to this book coming out, we'll find out more about that. Um, also, if you bomb an exam, you get put on probation, and so you can't do some of the extracurricular <laughs> activities. Uh, so, um, and, and if you get caught cheating, that's in there too. And so that will inhibit some of your ability to develop your different relationships with the students uh with the <laughs> student body <laughs> i mean i i could see you know making this a little too real too you know like for some of the sessions like bringing back like actual college day stuff like hey you know like you know because <laughs> i mean like 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 the whole downtime like starting for exams like we played D&D in college. Like, this is starting to get a little too real here because, as I recall, there are a few sleepless nights, you know, me studying precisely because I played too much D&D. Uh, and I'll just throw out there that um, after my very first semester at college, uh, I got put on academic probation because I had a whopping 1.0 GPA. And uh, I had done very little studying. I had skipped a lot of classes because this was back when college classes were pretty much optional. It wasn't like part of the, you know, uh, syllabus or whatever. It wasn't part of your grade to go to class. And uh, 
getting put in an academic probation was one of the best things that ever happened to me because uh then i made the dean's list like seven semesters in in a row until my very last semester uh, at college when well that's another story but uh so i i think that it is very interesting and i was like man this feels a lot like college um I I also just love that there is a LARPing club like in a Dungeons and Dragons book. <laughs> like that's it's pretty meta right there, I yeah. feel like. Um so anyways, uh this book's coming out November sixteenth. Uh I'm interested in it uh at the very least. You know, I'll I'll check the other previews and stuff, but uh, I'm interested in the systems probably more than any of the other stuff announced for it. Right. Um, like I said, I've never played like the Strixhaven Magic set or right. anything like that. I haven't read any of the books or lore or anything, so um, maybe I'll check some of that stuff out before before it comes out. But I'm at least loosely it. I'm watching it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not like it not like there's anything D D coming out from Wizards that I'm not watching, but right. It it's on my radar. I think I'm still more interested in Fizz bands, but like the uh the whole uh, NPC tracking and the uh downtime stuff has me extremely interested. And so like at the very least, I'm sure I'll read reviews and then you know I I'm who am I kidding? I will probably end up picking the book up. Like I may not pick it up at release, but I guarantee at some point I will pick the book up because God knows I think I've picked up pretty much every other book at this point. So my saying I'm will see is just lying to myself about it. Right. I will and I mean, I'm I'm straight up lying because I've already pre-ordered it. So right. I was just lying to the audience because that maybe <laughs> sounded better than Hey, I'm I'm a sucker for D and D products. Um, all right. So then, on the last day, the last session of this D and D celebration, um, they got together, kind of the the biggest minds and the maybe the top dogs of like each section of of the uh, of Wizards of the Coast to talk about the future of D and D. And so they had. Ray Winninger in there and Jeremy Crawford and they had uh, um, Chris Perkins and Liz Schultz or Liz Shue. So they they had all the people in there who probably know exactly what they are and are not allowed to say. And probably if they said something they weren't supposed to, uh, their job's still like locked in. Um <clears throat> And uh, it was only an hour long, but man, did they, they certainly talked about the future of D&D. So uh, they started with, uh, Ray started with talking about the fact that we got uh, Ravenloft earlier this year, and that in 2022, there will be two new classic settings and a peak at a third setting, he said. And then in 2023, there will be another classic setting coming out. So we basically now know that there are are three probably full books coming out yeah. over the next two years with classic D&D settings. So Evan, I just got to ask you if you could pick three settings, which ones would they be and what order would you want to see them come out in? Ooh, that's a question, isn't it? Uh 
man. I thought that that's mm. if you can't pick the order, that's okay. But but what, what are some mm. of the settings that you want to okay. see? Okay. Without going into the order, I would like to see Planescape would be really nice. Uh Spelljammer, I don't think it'll happen because Spelljammer is such just a bizarre, insane setting, but that's also what's great about it. And then for the third one, I love Dark Sun. I do, and I feel like Dark Sun has a much better chance, but I would love to see a birthright or a uh, some or something similar to a birthright system. Where you know you can do like D and D, but like you're running like a whole nation again. And again, I don't think that'll happen, but that would be cool. So if I, you know, because there's what do I, what do I want, or what do I think will happen? And I and I feel like and I feel like I I I think I want birthright, but I feel like Dark Sun is going to be a lot more likely. Sure. I, How about you? I think I'm with you uh, on some of these. I I'm a hundred percent with you on. Planescape. Um, I'm really interested in that. I think that with all of the new settings that they've kind of brought out um, with Magic the Gathering and stuff like that, I think that there's enough to just kind of bring that out and and have it be something that we're going to see a lot of. Um, One thing that, like, is really interesting to me that is you know it's not like uh i was looking through kind of all of these classic settings and uh one thing that i thought was really cool was the uh like the hollow earth um setting that they used uh where like the poles of the earth instead of just being rounded went to the inside world um and then there were like portals out of it so that was something that i was like man especially after seeing a you know a specific monster movie a couple of years ago i was like i kind of yeah. love this idea oh, i yeah. love it um i know that movie and then i was really torn between dark sun and greyhawk um love greyhawk too i i know it it's you know the old setting and it's kind of classic and we've kind of decided that Faerun is, you know, and the Sword Coast are kind of where D&D is and everything else is kind of adjunct. But as somebody who never played really in like the Greyhawk setting, um, I just I think I'd like to see what that looks like. But Dark Sun, you know, if they can get psionics right, like that seems like a super cool. Yeah. I, I think it's probably I, I think you're probably right that Dark Sun is is more likely than any of our like weird kind of wish list type stuff. But I also think Planescape is gonna happen and I I would not be surprised by Spelljammer. Yeah. Like, but I wouldn't be if if they're gonna do Planescape, then Spelljammer is something that kind of makes sense right. to go along with it. I think um, out of all I was gonna say I think out of all of them, I think Planescape is probably the most likely. Um, because yeah. I, in a, in a sense, you can get a sense of what the, the answer of what, what, the, what they're going to do is, is simple. It's going to be, what's the most popular Planescape is extremely popular. And so I feel like that's a, that's a solid guess. And, and, uh, so I feel like that's pretty solid. 
Dark Sun also popular, pretty solid guess. Beyond that, you know, you know who knows though. I mean, like, is it, uh, I wouldn't have guessed that they would do you know another Ravenloft one beyond Curse of Strahd. So that was really surprised by that. So you know, who knows? Yeah, it could it could be anything, but cool that hey, we're getting a lot more setting books and. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they are kind of setting slash adventure books the way that Wild Beyond the Witchlight was, or if they're more kind of set up like a like the Eberron book where it's like right. here is a setting, you know, yeah. like um, and yeah, there's a bunch of different adventures that you could run out of this, but this is another world, this is another place, so in- interesting thoughts to see there. Um, they also said that there would be more adventure anthologies in the format of Candlekeep Mysteries, uh, where you have short adventures that you can drop into, um, you know, run as a one shot or play as short campaigns. And, uh, they also kind of hinted that the format, uh, like the actual like print format may not be the same. So maybe we'll see some paperback books coming out. Um, or digital or digital i mean they've done a fair amount of digital stuff in the past uh but we'll just have to see we'll have to i'm i'm hoping that there's still some kind of physical release but um you know it may just be an expansion of something like dragon plus or you know one of their other many different digital pathways to purchasing things because they've released stuff on like drive through RPG or DM skilled. Yeah. So. Uh, my, uh, kind of my pipe dream is we've seen a lot of stuff move to virtual tabletop. And since certainly since the pandemic and overall, I think um, I've read somewhere and I, I feel awful like any of the statistics that um, they're seeing now that more people are playing virtually than at the table. And so I'm wondering now um, that, you know, there's a lot of scuttlebutt that, there may be a uh, at some point that Watsi or someone may be in the pipeline of trying to, with a new edition, even move more towards leaning into that. Because I mean, they've been murmuring for years, and this is why I don't put a lot of uh, thought, you know, not put a whole lot of, you know, uh, stock into it. But they've been murmurs for years about, you know, because like as far back as fourth edition, I thought them trying to make some kind of like specific tool set to be, um, official tools that linked with D&D and that never materialized and the event they're releasing stuff on roll 20 simultaneously so I don't see that happening but that would be really awesome if they would start you know it could maybe not even necessarily like um but like releasing adventures that are designed to be run on a virtual tabletop whether it's an exclusive product or not I think that would be really cool that are designed to be run in that kind of environment or at least you know are thought of being run in that kind of environment I, I think we're, I think I we're gonna see it. I think, yeah, I think they know where people are able to play, especially during the pandemic. You know, game stores are still a little wishy-washy about how many people they're gonna pack into their play areas. Uh, I think, I think we're gonna see more digital stuff, but hopefully they don't get rid of the physical. Because yeah. I'm hopeful every every month. I'm thinking to myself like, maybe this will be the month that like you know the gang yeah. gets back together for in person right, exactly. gaming but hope springs eternal <laughs> it does all right um so uh 
then before it, it felt like they just like I don't know, we were probably 10 minutes in, they just dropped this bomb on us. They said, okay, the 50th anniversary is in 2024. And uh, the yeah. host kind of asked Ray, like, you know, is there going to be something exciting for the anniversary? And he was just like, yep, there's going to be new versions of the core books, uh, a new edition that will be coming out in 2024. Uh, it'll be, you know, completely reworked. Uh, which I think like was a little bit like, oh, I love fifth edition, like don't yeah. get rid of it. <clears throat> but then he did say that the new version of the books will be completely compatible with all of the fifth edition products and everything released between now and then. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, what do you think about D and D 5.5 or advanced fifth edition or whatever it might be what do you think about this new rule set coming in two years well my feelings are in a word complicated because as you mentioned on the one hand i do love fifth edition dnd i do think that you know changes aren't necessarily bad i love the fact that it'll be backwards compatible uh i guess my main takeaway is we'll see um I don't, you know, I'm not against it necessarily, but uh, I think, you know, we probably already have a sense of the direction they're going in. I mentioned earlier by looking at Tasha's uh, and by uh, looking at, you know, kind of the, some of the things they've already started moving in the direction of. I think that by looking at the uh, the revisions they make to Mordenkainen's and the other books in the next year or so will give us a better idea as to what the new fifth... Uh, Five five or whatever you want to call the uh, new core books coming in twenty twenty four will look like. Um, but you know, I wait and see. I guess is my main. Okay, I said um, if if they did redo if if they when they release five point five, what are some things that if they did would make you go, oh, good, I'm I'm really glad that they're making these changes. Uh, I'd like to see them redo some of the uh skill things i think uh skills are in kind of a need of uh more customization maybe the um the way it works now with it just kind of being the vanilla ability bonuses aren't terribly interesting so i'd like to see that expanded on a bit that would be cool um maybe do more with feats but again you're talking about someone who like joined in 3.5 so that's kind of where I'm coming from, you as well, but that's kind of where I'm coming from. And so seeing those be expanded would be cool. But um, beyond that, off the top of my head, I don't know that I can necessarily name anything specifically. Yeah, I think some of the things I'd like to see is obviously just rebalancing some of the classes, which yeah. we saw some of in Tasha's Cauldron event. Right. Anything. You know, we saw some stuff that was like, hey, we're we're going to rebalance Ranger a little bit and, and some of the other classes. Um, I think one of the things that I'd love to see is some more. Uh, I know that they release the Artificer class, but I'd love to see that be in the PHB so that we've got two Intelligence Base Casters, two Wisdom and three Charisma. Like, um, and I think, you know, it's weird to think of, like, we don't really need, like, it, 
if everything's compatible, we don't need a new monster manual that has all of the previous monsters in it, although maybe an updated one or like a a second edition, like <laughs> I don't know what you would call it, or yeah. or just a new monster book that has lots of new monsters in it that haven't appeared in fifth edition. I think that would be cool. Um but I you know, I think that there's plenty of stuff that you could add into like the DMG or that you could update in there or that you could pull from some of the books that have um been released over fifth edition because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in fifth edition that has been upgraded or refined or cleaned up a little bit. And so I think any of that is good. I think some of the things that what I don't want to see is like something where every fighter that gets built looks the exact same um, or every wizard is, you know, picking the same like eight spells, like, you know, to, to use regularly, I think, you know, spell diversity and, you know, having multiple spells that are good at different things, like, um, is something I'd like to see be refined. But there are some classes I'm like, just don't touch it. Just leave it how it is. Like, I look at the cleric and I'm like, the cleric is great. Just give us more subclasses. Like, that's that's all we need. It's already a good class. Like, you don't, you don't have to mess with it. The warlock, I think, is pretty cool. There's probably yep. some things that they could do to, you know, maybe not make it just Eldritch Blast all the time. Yeah. But like... But it's already got like some cool lore stuff. It's already got like, you know, it's it's interesting. Um so I don't know. I'd I'd like to see like I I hope that it is a true like half step. Um and that it's a rule step. I I hope that it it doesn't in my mind, fifth edition doesn't need to become more accessible to people. I I would like I'm kind of with you on that. Like I think, yeah. Like improve what skills do. Like, um, you know, or or make skills give it give us more options to specialize in skills. Um, outside of being a bard or a rogue, um, or or make it so that hey, like bards and rogues are really good at lots of skills, and that's a reason to play them. Um. I don't know. I just I'd like to see more. I'd love to see rangers be better archers than fighters somehow, like as part of the rebalancing. But I think overall, I'm kind of like you. We'll see. We'll yeah. see about these new books. Um, but we've got two years to kind of prepare and yeah. soften the blow, and they'll probably have a lot more to say. I would guess probably this time next year about what's coming and and what it's going to look like. Um and there are obviously releasing books, you know, between now and then. We're we're going to we're going to get new books, you know, at least two new classic settings. Uh and then they actually talked about um a new book that's coming uh but it's more of a compilation book. So in January there's going to be a new rules expansion gift set and so this will contain xanathar's guide to everything tasha's cauldron of everything and a new book called mordenkainen presents monsters of the multiverse 
which I have shortened to MOM, Monsters <laughs> of Multiverse. So, um, and it also comes with a new DM screen. There will be a regular version of this, uh, and then there will also be an alt version that has all new cover art on each of the books. So, um, so all three of the books will have this alt cover option, and they are different than the alt covers from Tasha's and Xanathar's previously. So the the collectors out there, I'm sure, are going to jump all over that. I may just buy one and leave it in shrink to sell uh, in 20 years and, and get rich off of. We'll see. But we're not going to talk about Xanathar's or Tasha's. They basically said, hey, like, they've been you know, upgraded, added errata and stuff like that, but it's it's not like they're changing the chapters or what's written in there or the rules or things mm-hmm. like that. It's just, you know, grammatical fixes and stuff. Right. Um but the Monsters of the Multiverse book uh is basically collecting and updating stuff throughout fifth edition. Um there are two hundred and fifty monsters in the book. There's new art from almost there's either new art or or added art for most of the monsters in the book. Uh, There's going to be 30 playable races from the book. And what they said is all the playable races outside of the player's handbook that are setting agnostic. So what I would guess is that this means that the the races that aren't specific to somewhere so I think about like the Simic hybrid from Ravnica that probably won't be in this book, I would guess mm-hmm. just because it's pretty far out there. Um, and they said specifically races that could be found anywhere in the multiverse. So it, it's a pretty big compilation. Um, and the idea behind this book is that everything in this book speaks to stuff that you could find in any world in the multiverse. So we probably won't see um, like really specific enemies from previous books. Now, I did I did look online, um, and Mordenkainen, Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes had 120 monsters in it, and Volo's uh, Guide to Monsters had 139 so this book has 250 so i don't know if it's i'm assuming that there probably won't be creatures from the monster manual in here if we're going to get a new one a year and a half later um but maybe i don't know so uh what do you think about uh about this compilation uh I think, you know, I think it's cool. Um, I am looking forward to it, and uh, I think it's going to be a uh, both um, and, uh, useful uh, for DMs who want to get all these monsters into one place, and uh, it'll be an insight as to what the new edition will be, look like, will be looking like as well, or the new revised fifth edition whatever they're going to call it which is one of my pet peeves as well not to go on a giant tangent but um uh whenever fifth edition before it was fifth edition they called it D next and you know that didn't catch on it eventually it just became fifth edition and so you know i'm just curious as to what they'll call this whether it'll be you know revised 5e 5.5 5 
five or whatever, whatever forum it takes. But I expect, you know, that we'll get a better sense of it looking at these upcoming books, especially the, what the new monsters will look like. Um, yeah. But uh, I think that'll be cool. I, I especially want to look at what I'll look at what the revised stat blocks will look like. Um, like the spellcasting trade, especially, I want to see since that has been a yeah. point of contention for some time. And it's as a DM, it never bothered me as much. But um, it's one of those things where I, well, I say it never bothered me. But, you know, that last combat um, where I kept having to say, OK, hold on a second. I was running a spellcasting monster. Right. Yeah, but but well, you know, like you know, it's it's one thing where it's like, yeah, it doesn't bother me until you're running a monster that has, you know, the spellcasting block of a 16th level cast, and you're trying to figure out, okay, you know, it can cast, you know, four fireballs and all these spellcasting things. It's like, okay, it can do this or this or this, and you get stuck with that analysis paralysis. And it's yeah. again, it's it's fine on paper, and then you're trying to figure that out, and you've got five people waiting while you try and figure out the radius of a fireball spell versus a chain lightning versus that, and so simplifying it. That's a good thing, and so I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah, yep. Um, <clears throat> so uh, they kept saying during this like discussion that this book is designed with the other books that are coming out later this year. Um, and they said that you know multiple times, and also the mom will be available on its own as a standalone product, but not in January necessarily. So January, you can get the the gift set. Um, and then later in the year, you'll be able to get uh, Morning Cannon presents Monsters of the Multiverse as a standalone um, thing. And they did show that there are monsters, uh, at least from monsters and NPCs, at least from uh, Foe's Guide to Monsters and Morning Cannon's right. Tome of Foes. So uh, who knows what else we'll see in there. I wonder if they'll pull stuff from specific like adventure books. They also said going back to the 5.5 and I'm, I'm just, I'm calling it that. I don't know what they're going to call it. Yeah. Like, hopefully it's not something dumb. I mean, advanced dungeons and dragons is a really cool name, Yeah. Uh, but if it's going to be advanced, it better not be more dumbed down than fifth edition is. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. You know, uh, but I mean, we'll just see. Yeah, I, I'm all for getting people into the hobby, but I think right now it's a pretty easy hobby to get into a mm -hmm. uh, pretty low cost of entry. And I think the rule set is just simple enough that you're. It's fine, you know, right. it, does, it doesn't have to be more simple. Yeah. Um, but the. Uh, so it, it makes me think they, they kept using the word multiverse and I was just like. It's got to be manual of the planes. That's that's got to <laughs> yeah. be that's got to be the yeah. next setting book that's coming. Like, so I'm just I'm hopeful for that. If it's if it's something weird that has nothing to do with the multiverse, I'll just kind of be like, you lied to us. You, well, you know, you didn't lie to us, but you you teased us down a rabbit trail that yeah. led to nowhere. So well, to that point, I mean, it feels like the manual of the planes is always one of the last things to come out and one of the last things to come out in an edition cycle. And so, you know, with a revision in the pipe coming down the pipe now, that would track. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it does make sense. Um now one of the things that I do really like is the idea that there are 
30 playable races uh in this in this book uh and i like not you know i assume that this is going to collect most of the races um from different you know adventure books or uh setting books or stuff like that into one area um what do you think about those all being collected into the same place i think that is super useful because uh both as a dm and as a player, it's really frustrating to be talking to new, especially to new players to the game, and telling about the various races, and like, oh, cool, you know, uh, so can I play as a Hobgoblin? Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, what book is that in? Let's send Volo's Guide to Monsters. Oh, where in that? Well, you have to go here. Oh, but these are just stat blocks for the Hobgoblins. No, you don't look in the Hobgoblin section. You have to look at the Hobgoblins as players. It's, oh, okay, no, 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 not there. Okay, let me, let me, and it's and it's super complicated, because, you know, it's it's not at all intuitive, and, you know, God help you if you want to play as one of like the more setting specific races and so it's it's complicated and putting all those races in one you know concise place to be found is super useful to just tell especially you know new players and that's what a lot you know of things come down to is making it easier especially for new people is just say oh you want to play this race in here this book has everything you need right in this section makes it a lot easier i do hope it's all in one section i hope that it's one chapter called uh player character options and that they have all their playable races in there and that it's because the whole like oh did you know that you can play as this type of like you know race like or this type of creature did you know like no because you didn't read through all of volo's guide to monsters like yeah you you got bored somewhere and you flipped to the dragon section or the demon section and that was it um one of the things that they did say is that they have uh, simplified the book in some ways, I think, by getting rid of sections where it's like, here are demons, and here's all the list of demons in that section. Instead, it's whatever the name of that demon is, it's in, it's in straight alphabetical order. So you don't flip to animals to find yeah. the stats for an elephant. You flip to E elephant. Yeah. to find elephants. Uh, so I, I think that that I, I've kind of gotten used to the, like, oh, it's a demon. So I gotta go to the demon section and find it or, oh, it's like this type of creature, but then some things are weird. And so you end up having to flip around, but I'm, I'm, I think that that will, it sounds like they've taken player feedback. That was a big like theme of this future of D&D is we've been listening to the players. We've been reading your surveys, reading your comments. So, you know, hopefully they're putting together things that are a little bit cleaner, a little bit easier to read and find the information that you want in game. Um, Because I think that there are two different types of people who buy D&D books. I think you get people who buy D&D books to read through it because they're a lore hound or they just want to know everything about D&D that exists. And then you get people who buy D&D books because they want to put something into their game. And yeah. uh, when you're actually, uh, especially with monsters, I feel like when you're in a combat, you just want all the information right there. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to know about like cobalt <laughs> society. Yeah. You just want to have the three or four different types of cobalts that might be in this encounter or in this dungeon all listed on the same page, you know, with, right. without being like, oh, I got to flip back and forth between four different pages because the cobalt section is huge, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's 
the new mom monsters of the multiverse is coming out i'm pretty excited about it sounds like you're pretty excited about it i never picked up uh volo's guide to monsters or morton kaiman's tome of foes so i'm definitely getting this one uh i'm definitely gonna get it um so there wasn't a lot they talked some more uh chris perkins kind of talked about stuff that was it it felt like he, he was kind of all over the place with talking about different things. He said, you know, they've they're working on some all new settings for future publication. And he mentioned since Eberron in 2004, we haven't released a full new setting. So um, I guess he's not counting any of the Magic the Gathering books that have come out. <laughs> like, I'm sure somebody at D&D is like, we've totally been crossing over with with our other major intellectual property for you know the last seven years but um but yeah kind of interesting to see you know what that will look like um but then he kind of was like we workshop a lot of things not everything turns into a, a published book uh, not everything turns into a hardback book so i don't know if i think we're gonna see something like a magazine or or a soft cover book or something like that we're gonna see something that isn't a $50 hardcover alt art option book uh, coming next year. Don't know what it's going to be, but maybe a short adventure. Maybe it doesn't, a setting book doesn't seem like it should be something that is soft cover, but maybe it will be. What What do you think about something that's not a, uh, not a hard, like that isn't going to get released in hardback? I think that's cool. Um, this would be a theme for me tonight, but uh, um, I could see um, or maybe you know just throwing a bunch of uh different ideas or something and uh into some um paperback format, you know, kind of a island of misfit toys of the ideas maybe or uh or maybe even just you know um we couldn't make these work necessarily, but here have fun with these concept books or something. Sure. I mean, I think about Candlekeep Mysteries, uh, which came out early this year. Um, I think it was 20 adventures. I think it was 20 adventures from one from levels one to 20. Right. And I think that it's a great book. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. There's a lot of great stuff in there. A lot of different artists, lots of different um, writers, because because the only thing is that they have to have something to do with Candlekeep um, library, you know, that there's a lot of freedom in, in what the different adventures could be. I could see something like that being released as, you know, kind of a, a thick magazine or a small soft cover book, you know, and Hey, every, every two weeks a new one is coming out throughout the year you know you're gonna get 26 of these throughout the year that could be i could totally see that happening yeah and so you get these mini adventures every two weeks or or maybe you get maybe they put three of them maybe they put three adventures together and yeah. you get you know you get one a month or something like that i i could totally see that being kind of the path with with adventures because you know, yeah, not everybody wants to play a you know 
a a 50 session campaign you know some some people just want to play that you know two to four session kind of quick hitter right type thing if you will so we'll see um they also said that there's going to be more news released next month about a terrifying setting so don't know what that's going to be we've already seen ravenloft which pretty much is like the horror setting we've seen the abyss we've seen uh you know uh avernus we've seen uh chult you know we've pretty much gone through not that those are all quote-unquote horror settings but man we've seen a lot of scary stuff out there so i'm interested to see what the what the new scary is uh we haven't seen like a tome of a uh, what was the what was the one from three point five with the mind flares and stuff? Tome of madness. Tome, tome of madness. Or no, tome yeah. of aberrations. I think tome of aberrations. I, I gave that it was a tome of madness or tome of aberrations, but it, the but I know exactly what you're talking about. I have the book yeah. somewhere. Yeah, I, I think we might. I think maybe that's the next like big scary type adventure book. Maybe that could. I was just thinking through. I was like, "What have we not done yet?" Like, and I think, I think that's you know where where it might be going. So it could be we have like that Te- for... Temple of Elemental Evil. Is that that's like another one? Yeah, we yeah. have. There's not been one. I mean, although they did do the whole uh, Princes of the Apocalypse, which is kind of an Elemental Evil thing. So yeah, uh, so I don't know, but I could see them doing like a. Uh, mindful because like of all the adventures like they've had you know the rave they've had a ravenloft adventure they've had dragons and giants and uh you know a nine hells one and abyss one and underdark one they haven't really featured uh a mind flayer one yet so i can see them doing something like that um yeah they or you know um they mentioned terrifying settings i could see that maybe being dark sun kind of or you know it could be something completely off the wall yeah it who knows Right. I think I think we're going to, you know, always intrigued by the teases. And then before they ended the night, uh, they left us with one other tease. Um, So they shared a piece of art uh, that is an alt cover for an upcoming book. And it was just an it may be a piece of concept art. It's just kind of a pencil or ink drawing. And it is a picture of a hamster in front of kind of a couple different like kind of a two big circles with some other circles inside of them and they confirmed that this is in fact boo the miniature giant space hamster uh who has been featured in from different video games in Baldur's Gate in Neverwinter um but uh lots of speculation on what what book is going to have boo as the alt as the alt art uh so any thoughts about that my guess with a with boo the miniature giant space hamster is it's either spelljammer or planescape yeah i i think that's i think we're definitely going into the traveling between worlds uh traveling between campaign settings uh route i think yeah. that, that is the next path so which which is exciting because i mean yeah. that 
that's where when you're talking about a homebrew campaign, that's where you're like, hey, you throw something like this in there, you can you can really go all over the place. I mean, um, I think jumping through portals and jumping through, you know, planets and space and stuff like that. Super exciting. So pretty pumped for all that. Lots of exciting news out of D and D celebration. Uh, What would you say is, is most exciting to you out of, out of all the things from, from Fizzbands, you know, October 19th to new D&D 5.5 in 2024. What has you the most excited or, or, you know, entertained? Uh, excited? Probably Fizzbands, just because I'm a dragon guy. But uh, in terms of interest, I think probably the new D&D coming in 2024. That's equal parts like excited and like nervous though so i'm not quite sure for the nervous for the word for that you know trepidation maybe because um i I guess the main thing with that is you know i want it to be good and you know that they're they've you know what part of the reason why 5e was so good i feel like why it you know it has why it has been so successful is when they made it they did you know they they did all the surveys you know they listened to so much of the player feedback when they made it and by all indications, that's what they're doing for this revision. And I feel like as long as they do that, whatever changes they make, it will be good overall. So that makes me less nervous. But, you know, so, you know, main thing, we'll see. So I guess that's kind of where I'm at overall. Um, yeah. Optimistic. Um, mostly looking forward to Fizban, but uh, overall looking forward to everything. Not, you know, not not dreading it by any stretch of imagination. Not dreading it. But, you know... um. Cautiously optimistic, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I'm pretty excited for um, everything that's coming out. Like, yeah. but I think that, uh, like, just from what we know, I think I'm probably most excited about kind of the NPC um, connections, mm-hmm. bonds, boons, relationships, or trials, whatever. Uh, in Strixhaven, I'm just excited to see how that plays out. Um, and I think that uh, the other thing that I'm probably next most excited for is just uh, I'm I'm really hopeful that whatever 5.5 is in 2024, that it truly doesn't like make all the stuff that I have right now for Fifth Edition obsolete in some way. Yeah. Like if they're coming out with a new Eberron book, if they're coming out with a new, uh, like you know, out of out of the abyss second edition, like I I don't want to have to rebuy these books like well, for some yeah. of them a third time, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. So hopefully it's all still you know connected and canon and yeah everything else. But if not, I mean, here's the other thing. You know what? I got eight years of books right now and the guy at my local game store still lives in second edition. He plays yeah, all second edition stuff all the time. So there's, you know, we've talked about the fact that there's hundreds of books out on Kickstarter or, yeah. you know, RPG drive through RPG and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to live in fifth edition for as long as I can. And, yeah. you know, 
if 5.5 fits really well with that, awesome. And if it's like a whole new edition, it might be really good, and that's fine too. Yeah. You know, if if it's better, then I'm all in. Yeah, right. I'm uh reminded of the anecdote, or I can't I feel off. I can't remember the author, but some years ago there was an author, and they uh they did an adaptation of one of his books, and a journalist was asking him, you know, like, and the adaptation was terribly received, and they asked him, you know, how do you feel about them ruining your book? And the author just smiled and invited the journalist into his library and showed him. He goes, "There's my book right there." You can see it's not ruined. It's perfectly fine. And yeah. uh, that yeah, and it reminds me, you know, like you know, whatever happens, you know, whatever that the new edition looks like, we still have all the fifth edition books now. And so, you know, if nothing else, there's that to fall back on. And so, there's been a lot of good years behind us, and there will still be a few more good years ahead, no matter what comes. Yeah, and I mean, that reminds me of another classic saying uh, that that some people still use which is if it ain't broke don't fix it so yeah uh, that's kind of where i am with fifth edition is like wait yep. i i love this uh but also i'm excited because right you know I, if they if they're listening if they're if they're hearing the audience then we're gonna get we're gonna get something good and i mean right. they've it's been a while since they've released a bad D D book yeah um, so I'm I'm all positive. Yep. All right. Well, that about does it for us tonight. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Uh, if you uh, have questions for us, feel free to email me at uh, pardonthebordgames at gmail.com. At some point, I'll get something with the name of this podcast in it, but pardonthebordgames at gmail.com. If you have questions for us uh, for future episodes, um, we're going to be exploring some different uh, stuff going forward. We'll probably take a break until we've had fizz bands for a couple of weeks as far as talking about new stuff, but we will bring you any news that we hear about um, leaking through uh, the interwebs. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will see you next time. <laughs>